You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organizations. Now, over to your host, Renee Jerusso. So welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. My name's Renee Jerusso. A big shout out to those that are joining us for the first time and a big thank you for those that have been sending in feedback and rating and reviewing and sending us through suggested topics for solo shows. Lately, I've been doing a lot of research for my next book on a topic and it's about adopting what I call a gift mindset, which is about flipping and embracing the challenges in our life that are one dimensional to experiences that we can share with our team, our friends and overall in our life. One of the gifts of the gift mindset is the gift of resilience. And there's nobody that comes top of mind to me more than Suzanne Waldron. Welcome. Thank you. And that is a very lovely thing to say. Suzanne is a behavioural change facilitator whose master's research focus has been on pro-social leadership. She's been working with people across Australia with a focus explicitly on communication and meaningful relationships, which is something just so important in this day and age. She's an ambassador for Are You OK? She's a TEDx Perth curator and the co-founder and director of a short doco series called Stories Out Loud. She's a published author and a media contributor and she's been nominated for Western Australian of the Year. Well done. Go you. And it was amazing, actually, because the woman who nominated me was um, Australian of the Year. And when I was with her, um, I thought, if nothing else happens, which it didn't really after that, but if she, even if she just said she wanted to nominate me, that was enough for me. Do you know what I mean? And then she actually did. But um, oh, I was just blown away. That's awesome. Well done, you. You've got an amazing business and philosophy around your business. And I'd, I'd love to hear how you got started. What inspired your why to be doing what you're doing today? I believe in humans. I believe in um, in what's possible for us. From my perspective, my entire existence came about because I did have a really, and many people who would be listening to this would understand their own version of, of their own perspective where, you know, they might have been mistreated or didn't have a, a particularly good time at one, one point or another as a human. And so um, my entire reason for my business is to help people sort of relate to themselves and each other more. And when we do that, I think we have this, this uh, deeper way of being able to connect where we have a better experience in our life. You know, the mathematical equation of us even arriving on this planet is pretty extreme, um, you know, and the fact that we're here is incredible. So, um, you know, I'll keep the answer short for the minute because I know we'll delve into that a bit more, but I, I genuinely think if we can, if we can connect to ourselves um, more deeply in each other, then we'll, we'll just have a better experience and we'll probably um, be able to um, exist in this, in this way in a more beautiful and deep way. I don't think there's anything other than, I don't think there's anything more than relationships between people. The rest is just what's happened as we've invented more things around us. But the ultimate reason for humanity is the way we connect and witness each other. So I want us to do that better. Yeah, and I, and I love that and I'm a big believer in that. And I think 
you know, with everything going on and the busyness yeah. and the technology, and I always say, you know, we've never been more connected as yeah. far as technology, technology. we've ever been more disconnected. It all starts, I think, with connection and those deep relationships. Um, and, I, and I see them in a lot of the companies. I, I mean, there's some that do it well and some that just tend, I think you'd agree, to jump on and focus on, you know, progress and process, but not the people. But it starts with the people, doesn't it? You know, I get people often to close their eyes and imagine any situation that they're in without the people in it. it there just isn't any. No, that's even, right. Even if there is AI, there's still humanity connected to it. So, yeah, we don't, we don't spend enough on who. We spend a lot of time on what and mm. why, but we don't necessarily spend a lot of time on who. Totally agree. So tell me a little bit about your childhood that I think really piqued my interest around, you know, why and I guess how you are, how you are and how I see you as you are, you know, you're very strong, you're very resilient and it all comes down to accepting what's happened to us, not loving it or choosing it, but accepting the lesson in it to share that. So I'd love to hear, yeah, a little bit about your, your childhood, a bit about your journey. Essentially, I mean, I grew up in England and um, I was eight years old, I fostered and I had a nervous breakdown. So when I was eight and um, we don't need to go into all the details of what and why and all those sort of things. Um, but it was a, it was a really stressful um, and abusive sort of childhood. By the time I was 15, um, I was homeless in England. And so I was writing my book about this, you know, I got to the age of 17 and I was like more than halfway through the book. <laughs> oh my God, like I feel like I've lived loads of lives and so from my perspective the childhood um, was very much about how I came to, to translate trauma but also um, you know feeling misunderstood and feeling um, um, that I had to survive um, to today's world you know when I'm 40 now so um, you know, looking back and thinking about um, you know as a human what is it that we can do to help ourselves and each other more um, and what are the key lessons from being in a place where you're not safe or you feel like you're in a survival perspective. And then how do you deal with that and, and allow yourself to heal and to connect to the new versions of you as you grow? Because if when we hold on to cognitively hold on, I think neurologically we we hold on to some, it does become some of our DNA, but but we do have we do have more choice in changing our neurology than we think we do. Mm. So my message is around that is is, you know, the story and the content is relevant, but it's not it's not your necessarily your current story. It's not necessarily um, your future story either. And it's about helping us understand um, there's what we think and we feel, but there's also the spirit perspective of, of us, or, you know, how we exist outside of even our human form. For, for me, my childhood, you know, I could tell you the story of that, but to be honest, like the detriment anymore. Um, it's about who, who did that make me and that I'm really okay. I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change a thing about my childhood because me, the compassionate, um, very empathetic. And, you know, you, you see, thank you for saying you see me as strong and resilient. And, uh, but, you know, all of us that within us, it's about what we understand about ourselves and how we cease to sort of need to protect ourselves to the nth degree um, that, that makes us so. I know you've done a lot of study or research on, you know, self-efficacy, like it is about that, you know, and I think, I love what you said. I think it is a, the stories we tell ourselves are entirely up to us and it's, and I'm a bit the same. I had my, you know, my parents divorced when I was eight 
and my sister and my mum, we lived together and my brother went with my dad and I lost my dad at a long, young age. And there's so many things that have happened, but I wouldn't be who I am today, a bit like you, and I couldn't be doing what I do with that intentional heart to make a difference if those things hadn't happened. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, that whole self-efficacy piece around that, you know, believing in yourself? What, what helps people really make that up from a personal level? Well, I think about understanding what you believe in the first place and that we even have belief systems. I mean, a lot of people, I think the world and, and their world do them and we for, sort of forget that we have a lot more control over that than we realise. Two years ago, I stopped watching the media. Um, I stopped eating meat. Um, I, I stopped sort of listening to anything that was going to really affect my emotional um, capacity. I don't read magazines that are commercial. I don't listen to commercial radio. My social media feed has, has basically cleaned itself of like news sort of items. And the reason I did that, particularly between me and between media and things like that, was an experiment to go like, what cream do I put on my skin? What information do I put in my ears? What things do I put in my mouth? And I'm not a saint. It's not that you know, I love tequila. <laughs> it's, all, it's, not, it's not as if I'm like completely yeah. this purist. But I wanted to, the thing is, is understanding what do I absorb through my eyes, through my mouth, through my ears, through my skin? And if that if that's the clearest way of going, what? What are you taking in? Because we take in 11 million bits of information per second through our senses. And so when that's happening, we filter it, we generalize it, we distort it. I don't think we sort of realize how much control we have over those 11 million bits and how much we feel we can filter them and how much we can control them. So I think the starting point is understanding we even absorb data and place meaning on that data. Yeah. So a table is just a table unless there's a meaning for that table. Mm. And so it, it really is about depending on understanding what you believe and then understanding you can shape a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big, big believer in that. I think the, I always say to people, the only choice we really have is, is our thoughts. It's what we're telling ourselves and what we're letting in or not. And I, and I think too, you're right with, this, with the social media side. I, I'm one, I've never watched the news, much to my mum's disgust. I've always thought I'd rather take a friend's dog for a walk or call a friend or do something meaningful instead of watching something that's usually negative that's already happened. And that's, that is mentioned part of our belief system. So, you know, I, I know enough and I'm sure you do about what's going on in the world, but not that it dictates who I am and who you are, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about... I've I've seen people and I've watched people, uh, just with the news, for example, you know, people watch the news as a way, and I'm not talking about current affairs and and world news. I am actually talking about popularised news Mm -hmm. and um, psychologically news in the sense that um, people watch it and think, you know, thank God that's not me. And so we can use other people's plight and we can use other people's... Um, journeys as a way of uh, comparison that makes it so that we um, sort of subconsciously and inherently are grateful that it's not us but we're using other people's misfortune um, Mm. to sort of compare to our own sense of self Mm. and it's that that's the danger in in media and the news and things like that because it doesn't allow us to um, to sort of take a stock of our own control and our own experiences and we're using others um, to sort of put a, 
a comparison or a judgment on our own life, which makes us feel relief. And it also takes us in. Well, it takes us out of the picture, doesn't it? It's not happening to us. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. And I think too, it's, it's a bit like you, you come across certain people that surround themselves, whether it's intentional or it's a subconscious thing, they surround themselves with people that are doing it harder than them. It's almost a, it's a self-sabotage to not deal with, with your own, you know, whatever's going on. Talk a little bit about pro-social leadership. Tell us a little bit about that. I, I had a question in my mind, which was, why do some people think about doing something significant beyond themselves and do it mm. versus people who think about it and don't do it? So in my master's research, I studied that and I wanted to look at the psychological determinants. That was the phrasing. So, you know, like, like why do people do what they do? And so I studied some really cool people. Um, so, for example, Fiona Williams invented Burns um, Spray on Stick Skin. Um, yeah. and she was very prominent, as we would all know, in the bombing survival. Um, and Rabia Sadiq, who's a humanitarian, human rights lawyer, um, people who were stopping from sex slavery happening and all sorts of different people who were doing something that was significantly beyond themselves. And so the thing around pro-social is, is about what is my consequential impact on myself? So there's an impact that I have and then there's a ripple effect that, that moves on. And then in, as a leader, so you're thinking about limitless leader, this is about the abundance of how I act and how the effect of my action um, in a way that is not born because of my own self-gain mm. and it affects communities, businesses, um, globalisation, societies um, in a way that is not just uh, necessarily for self-gain or profit. So I, ex I explicitly chose not to interview people um, who were just successful, like a, a successful CEO or a person who had built a massive corporation. I wanted to interview people who had done something that was significantly beyond themselves that wasn't for personal gain. But then I had to... Um, then I had to sort of understand what altru altruism was. Mm -hmm. And I came to the conclusion after having a look at that, that altruism doesn't exist. There's always an exchange. Yeah. There's always an exchange, even if it's a personal gratification or inefficient. Yeah. So pro-social is about community and social gain, but there's always going to be a personal gain, a personal exchange. Yeah, no, that definitely. And also there's got to be that purpose, doesn't there? To, to, to spark any of that happening. Yeah. yeah, so in my findings, the very first thing that I found was a significant emotional event had to happen, which made the person, from self-efficacy perspective, um, have a really strong strength of character and also very much knew what their reason for living was. Mm. So they, they were able to really specify their values, they were able to specify what their vision was. Then they could move into societal concern, which is empathy. So it's about yeah. moving into empathy and being able to see things from other point of view. Yeah. And yeah. then they would be able to lead change, feeling personal responsibility for stuff that was outside of them. You know, if I'm on the street and I see rubbish on the street, I have a personal responsibility to pick it up. If mm. I see someone fighting um, or being, you know, yesterday I was, I was on the street and, and someone was really in trouble. What personal responsibility do I have? Um, but it has to start with self-advocacy because yeah. in the model that was 
was researched, it had to start with, do you know who you are and do you know what you believe in? And so your question to me before is like, how do we understand about our belief systems? But you've got to know what your criteria of your life is. You've got to know what you believe in and what your boundaries are. And when we know that, then we've got a starting point to go, well, I'm either inside it or outside of it. And then yeah. I know where to, where to navigate myself from there. And it, and it is self-leadership, isn't it? I, as you know, do a lot on self-leadership because I think anybody leading a team, leading decisions, leading a purpose, it has to start with self. And it's, you know, that whole awareness piece. I think so many people, and you might see this too, you know, get these positions and just think, I'm now that person. I love that, yeah, every, everything that happens to you does take you, you know, to, to, to what you're doing. Personally, my, my, my dad passed away, I think he was around 50, which is quite young. So only a little bit older than myself. And something clicked in me now. I, I didn't realise it at the time. But I look back now, it's over 20 years ago, something just clicked in me to live on his entrepreneurial dream. So he did. My, my dad was an entrepreneur mm. in the 70s. He was in the rag trade, um, fashion ad agencies. Um, a mate took so many risks back then. There wasn't a lot of that entrepreneurialism around. And it's always been in me. But I, I really believe to this day if, if he hadn't passed away, I, I, don't, I don't know if that, you know, it was that defining, it sounds cliche, but it was a defining moment that kick-started a big part of my why that, you know, is almost living through me. Yeah, I really, really resonate with what you're saying. You know, clients, programs, your why sort of changes, but that strong foundational why has been quite solid. And I think sharing and we know that the whole vulnerability piece and it's something I haven't done enough of felt a bit self-indulgent sharing personal stories the whole human piece and the connection piece is about that isn't it being open and being free being free in your feelings and your thoughts yeah, so I've written a whole freaking book about my experience of life and sometimes mm -hmm. I often thought to myself you know like why would anybody want to know this or read this and essentially it comes down to the fact that in my experience people just go I can see myself and yeah. thank you for helping me see myself and understand myself more and it's in stories it's in the relating that we can grow and so I think we need to if we want if I, I, tw I twist it the other way around in the sense that anytime that anyone else has said something about themselves that it's vulnerable or whatever, most of the time you think, oh, thank God for that. Like, I feel like that too and I'm not it's alone. human. <laughs> and so I think we need to share things more. I might have to get some tips off you for that because my book's um, obviously coming out at the end of 220, all going to plan, and I'm going to talk about the 12 gift mindsets and, you know, there's resilience in there and growth and acceptance. It'll bring lots of personal stories in as well as people like yourself that can, that can share something others can, and you know, move forward with. Who's a leader or who's somebody that you admire and why? Who's, who's someone that stands out to you? Well, there's a lot of people that come to mind, but I'm going to talk about a dear a friend of mine, she is an artist who, uh, and a psychologist who, um, <laughs> you know, those people who just play to the beat of their own drum. Yeah. They uh, are quiet people behind the scenes, just being beautiful in life. Mm -hmm. And so there's something about watching her with life that makes me um, remember that it's okay to be me. And as an artist, 
guest I, you know, I wasn't an artist in my eyes until I met her. And um, she sort of helped me unleash this creativity in me. It wasn't because she was running a workshop or it wasn't because she was, um, you know, sprouting or preaching or teaching anything. Um, She was just quietly nudging me to try things that I wasn't comfortable with and then just standing back in an acceptance in all of my reactions. Mm. And so it's really funny now when I produce my art or when people buy my art or when people want me to commission me to do certain things now um I often think of the lineage of where that's come from Mm. and and I often help remind her that when something successful happens to me it's also happening to her because it came through her as well in that way so I think the lessons that she gives me is that quiet the quietness of supporting and encouraging others it doesn't have to be so loud and it doesn't have to be um so public Mm, and I love I love that it is it's that power it's and it's so it's so powerful a lot of people don't dance to the beat of their own drum we know that yeah without even realizing it sometimes what what would you say to to anyone out there that's listening that feel you know and I hear this a lot in a lot of sessions I run where people say nay I just feel like there's something more in me there's there's something I'm not getting out and what what advice would you give them just to be free and go go in flow I guess and do that it really comes down to sitting with yourself and understanding your own criteria of life Hmm. quite often it's as simple as this draw a box on a on a blank piece of paper what's inside the box is what you'll accept in life and what's outside the box is what that's it that's your boundaries. Yeah. And the more that we can help ourselves to understand um, what's hot and what's not important. Yeah. And so I think from that perspective, um, we, we need to sit with ourselves to understand what we're willing to accept and what we're not. And it's as simple as that. Start with what do you believe in? You know, we, we belong to thought leaders um, or we used to belong to thought leaders um, business school. And then I think there's a beautiful activity that helps with that. And that is write down 52 statements that you believe in. I yeah, believe I X. I declare that X. Yeah. Write 52 of those down and you start to see a trend in what you believe. Yeah. You know, what is it that you would make you stand up for something? What is it that you um, wouldn't accept? Mm. And if there's any that you think geez you know like maybe I'm a little bit loose on that boundary my value on that is or my belief on that is not what I wanted it to be or I need to upgrade that then that's where you start yeah you've got to know it and and it bound I'm big on boundaries too often we just I've always looked at boundaries a bit like speed humps in the road like you know they just keep you in control and if you don't know what you're going to stand for or probably even more importantly what you won't stand for I think that gets missed a bit um and that's a that's a great great exercise that and I think something I heard Brene Brown say when I saw I was going to say last year but it was this year um very basic but it was like (laughs) boundaries aren't black and white they're what's okay and what's not okay and it's as simple as that but taking the time to reflect and build that self-awareness and do that is key. And knowing that they change. So as we, our identity changes, as we change, you think about anything that any of the listeners think, you know, do you believe something? Have you said something recently that you would never in a million years said five years ago? Um, because you have more information effective or you have a different experience. And so the biggest fear for me is, well, there's two things. There's apathy. There's people who don't care about 
their own self and boundaries or values or criteria to life. Mm. And they're staying stuck in the ones that are old. All of the boundaries and all of the values and all of the beliefs we've ever had have been completely valid. Yeah. But if they're no longer valid, like an iPhone update needs to happen, we need to update them. And so it's about letting ourselves let go of what need anymore and then, and I always say to people I don't care what your criteria or standards are just have some they don't need yeah. to be the same as mine that's all yeah. I need to know I love that I love some of your little little quotes that we talked about the other day you know what you do is the brick then who you are is the grout I love that I'm quite a visual person so that there how do you apply that to your life with bricks and grout um so i don't know why i tend to use construction analogies but it's great for my construction clients they love it i do think it's about understanding that you know the bricks in my life are um my relationships my um my education my finances my physical health my mental health my spiritual health emotional health um it's about causes that i believe in it's the uh, um, education and and um intellectual health as well um and it's about in between all of those things so if the, if the bricks are what you do and the grout is who you are then the grout for me is the thing that i probably spend the most time on and that is I be me how do I know that I am being the sort of person that I want to be it's yeah. my emotional intelligence it's, it's my communication skills and my ability to empathize this is my grout you know everybody's yeah. grout is different yeah. um but it, without the grout then the bricks fall over and That's so right. I'm, I'm starting to really learn yeah I'm starting to truly really learn what is needed for me to feel um at best and I'm getting to the point even when I, I, I don't actually technically work until lunchtime um, at the moment because you know I have a routine in the morning that's I'm the most random person you'll ever meet so my version of the routine is that these things happen in whatever order I feel like doing them <laughs> so there's yeah, no yeah. actual I love it I love it I get it I love going to get a coffee in my coffee shop and talking to random people <laughs> and then I basically do some meditation and think about what my intentions are and, and act actually do some spiritual practices yeah. um, and then I do some stretching you know, in whatever order um, and then I'll paint or write or walk or whatever I might take phone calls I might not I might do emails I might not um, but then I'll be ready to actually talk to people mm. um, so it doesn't happen every morning I mean this morning <laughs> we started our conversation at 8 30 a.m. so that yeah. routine is different today um, and that's cool but I'm learning that I, to get the best of me, um, I need to do some things my way um, without necessarily having to, you know, conform to the normal standards. And that's and just I, the way I like it. And yeah. It makes me the best and I do incredible projects in the world. That's awesome. And that comes down again to that self-awareness and, you know, none, none of the cookie cutter you know, you get people that ask you, what, what's an ideal day? How are you so productive? And I'm a bit the same. I mean, I... I probably work the other way. I start quite early and I do my writing at nights. But since my, my younger sister's, you know, being quite ill, the nights for me at the moment are with her, you know, that's, that fills my cup to be able to feel I can give and be in service to my clients in the day. Something you said around speaking your truth, you know, I think that's really important, leading out loud. You know, there isn't much use in giving mixed messages. It confuses things. Be compassionate, even if your voice shakes, use it and speak with love. I just love that. Do you think that takes time and practice or what, 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 what's in that for, for people? 
Yeah, you know, I even, I talk about this even in the boardroom. We've been covering it up. We've been covering it up. And what happens is, you know, from the minute we're born, we're trying to understand how to be in this world. Um, you know, we look to others for validation or for the rules or, we, you know, as we grow up throughout, you know, childhood, um, we get shaped and conditioned. We all know mm. that. Um, and the fact is, is that already love, we're already compassion um, because that is an innate human nature of, you know, our heart, our soul, our connection with other people. Um, and there's no way five years, two years ago, you would have heard these words coming out of my mouth. And I think sod it now because if you really come down to it if any human really looks at themselves the thing that's going to be worrying them or taking up time in their mind or writing in their journal or problems they're talking to about with their workmates are their emotions they might think it's the strategy of the board but it's about how they feel about the strategy. It's about the worry that they have whether it goes right or not or the or the judgment if they do well or not ultimately the only thing that we are really that concerned about is how we feel yeah and so um really what it comes down to is understanding that and knowing that all we've done is pile a load of stuff on top of what already exists mm. so for me it's about stripping everything back back it's taking actually about it taking away yeah. taking it off structure yeah. excess information the excess mm. food the excess uh, worrying um the, you know, the amount of stuff that we busy ourselves with mm. stops us from is love and compassion. And instead of and instead of just layering on, which we're sort of taught to in society, you're you're exactly right. It's what do we need to strip off? No, I love that. Um, I wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan, and I, I do a lot of work around the and the gift mindset. And I, I just wanted to ask you. You know, what's if you're happy to share, what's something you failed at or that hasn't turned out the way you wanted it to, but it's really led to a key, you know, life change or shift for you? Oh, I don't really think oh, I have this conflicting thoughts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is now I'm gonna to go to group therapy for everyone. My conflicting <laughs> thoughts are about failure <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't regret anything because everything is useful so like you know the whole what is failure but yeah. technically yeah. um you might intend for something to happen and then it didn't go the way you wanted to right so mm. um for me um actually about learning about expectations and so that technically when art might not turn out the way I thought it was going to a love affair might turn out not turn out the way I thought it was going to a way of speaking with a client in a, in a Meditation may not have gone the way you want it to mm. do. I actually did something I would never usually do. I was facilitating 50 people and I was very, I had beautiful rapport with them. It was an overnighter. We, there was yeah. lots of rapport in the room. There's a trust. And I was getting tired because it, it's 24 hours, it was a 24 hour contract, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a conference yeah. that went over two days that I was facilitating. I was really curt. I was really curt with a group because they were being sarcastic and I don't do sarcasm mm. particularly in leadership roles because it's mixed messages yeah and so but I, I called it really sharply and you could see I lost report. and mm. so they sort of shut up a little bit and didn't really respond to me as well as they had been before and I, inside of myself I was like oh my god I've totally just lost the report and I'm un- I've done undone everything that I mm. been trying to work at and, and so about half an hour later I 
we were about to go to a break and I said to them that I'm feeling really nervous about weight the way I just spoke to you so remember it's me speaking to 50 people yeah I'm really nervous about the way I just spoke to you um and I feel like I did do it as well as I could have and now I feel like I've lost trust and I understand why I did that and I just did it poorly mm. so I need to call it and I need to say that if I could replace what I just did I would do it this way but I'm also really actually happy that I didn't because now it gives you the opportunity for me to be in a vulnerable position yeah. with you. and now I feel really exposed and I said to them I literally said to them now you need to say something because I feel nervous standing here <laughs> I put myself out there so small I was just like please can you say something to me yeah, yeah. and then 50 people truly are like yeah it was a bit curt and yeah it did come across this way but actually now you standing there saying that to us and being open with us gives us the opportunity to That's respond right. and now that you're doing this and saying that we trust you a bit more to get a bit teary I was just like I feel really exposed but I can't not go past it I need to speak no. the truth and I also need to say sorry if I the wrong thing yeah well and done then people were coming up to me individually during the break because mm. it was actually about bullying someone was bullying I shut it down really but I did it badly and someone came up to me in the break and said to me sorry many people did said to me I'm really glad you called it the way you did because that is the problem with our team no one calls the stuff that other people are being rude to each other about and you've called something that has been going on so long mm. and they said so you, you for us you didn't do anything wrong the only people that feel like were the ones that were being called out on doing something they should be but have been stopped doing along yeah. so the lesson for me in that was was it failure at the time it felt really awful but mm. I don't know I think we all learned from me having to speak up them speaking up for themselves it was, mm. it was huge yeah and well done for doing that and I that's why I, I that's that's the whole gift mindset is it's turning the failure or whatever went wrong or differently to what you imagined into a gift that you can use and isn't it isn't it the irony in that though? It's you you've you've made the hard call that they wouldn't internally probably not part of their culture, right? Um, and it's resulted not only in the learning yeah. for you but for the organisation. I love that. That's awesome. Then that goes back to that leading out loud. I don't suppress, express. You've really really got anything that's niggling or on your mind longer than an hour. I think you need to get out there because someone else will or someone won't but why shouldn't it be you, you know? Big word, you know, you know, in my, in my life is, is limitless. You know, I really do believe that, you know, anything anyone wants to achieve, I totally believe they can if they really want it. Um, and I think to keep, especially in what we, we, we all do, you know, to keep re-energised, love to hear what keeps you going, what re-energises you mentally, physically, spiritually. Hmm. Um, I love meandering. Meandering. <laughs> so anything that doesn't have a deadline or, or yeah, yeah, if anything that doesn't have a deadline or um, or a demand on me will lift me up. So I'm very well known for going to the coffee shop and then six hours later I returned to my house because I ended up <laughs> walk when I wasn't expecting to, then meeting a person in the street and then probably going to lunch with them that I don't know. And then I get invited to things because I invite myself to things as well. 
<laughs> so if someone's doing something that I think is awesome, I'd be like, can I join in? I was I yeah. from this man in the street that's juggling and I ended up being there trying to juggle stuff. Love it. And I feel <laughs> inspired by random encounters. Mm. And I think there's meaning in a lot of that and who you meet. I'm, I'm a bit the same and just connecting, you know. Gee, we could have done this for nine hours then and I shouldn't have told you. <laughs> yeah, I would have been here. Yeah, we could, we could talk all day, you and I, I think. Last question before some quick trivia. What's a question on a podcast or an interview you've never been asked that you'd like to be asked? Well, I'm interested in two things at the moment, more so than I have ever been, and that is about hope and about what God really is. And, I, and I'm not talking about a religion version of God. I'm talking about a universal God. And I'm interchanging like what hope means and how we can connect beyond ourselves. Like I'm doing a lot of work in, in the quantum field and quantum physics and metaphysics, things like that at the moment, which I, I would never have most of my life, very actual. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm starting to do a lot more work around what exists outside of us that we're just avoiding because we've been trapped in a production mentality, basically, in the last 100 years. Mm. Wow, we could really delve into that because I'm, I'm, I love all the Yeah, I know. And I was like, <laughs> we might have to have a part. We might have to have a part two. We'll call it the wormhole. <laughs> so, some quick, some quick trivia. What is your favourite word? Discombobulated. Discombobulated. Why? Well, I think it's a cool word to say. I like saying it, but I also think it's um, it's a cool word because it, it, it's a real, like, we get sort of run off track often. And I think discombobulated leads to resilience. <laughs> so yeah. when you, yeah. you know, to come back full circle. So yeah, I love doing it. I love the idea of like, that, of being tossed around um, and not really knowing where you are. Yeah. And that goes back to your, what you were talking about, your morning routine and going with the flow, not too much structure. So that's actually, that's interesting. And what's your favourite sound? What do you love? What's a sound that you just love? Okay. I really love it when someone chomps into an apple. Yeah. Does the the crunchy sound, the crunchy sound. What about chips or is it different than an apple? (laughs) No, it's gorge. Not chips. If you had another profession that you could do or always look back on and go, or oh, maybe I could do that or you might still do that, what would that be? I do. I th- so oh, several, but I think I'm in, which is, art, you know, like mm. full-time artist, like full-time creative. I am an artist already and I, you know. You are. Maybe yeah. that's full-time. But mixed in with, with documentary making, which I'm already doing, um, and also um writing which I'm already doing too so so it's kind of one of those funny questions where I have designed a life that I like yeah Yeah. I love I I love I love that and and it is it's bringing it all in I I, the other day Suzanne I got asked um by somebody you know what did you want to be when you were growing up so I went through you know 26 different retail jobs while I was at high school and uni I wanted to be a journalist a teacher a performer and a writer and doing all of that now. So it's amazing, isn't it, how it goes, you know, comes full circle. So how do people, listeners out there, find you, find out more about you? Where can they find you? Just think about me and I appear, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Call my name and I'll be there. Uh, LinkedIn is a good place. Instagram, maybe not so much. Probably LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Um, yep. Website, just look up my name. 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah, if you want to. Call me. So great to talk to you today and just so... There's just so many gems there and I'm sure everyone sitting out there will agree. And, you know, knowing you as well, you, you personify everything you stand for and I, you know, an amazing energy. So I just wanted to say I'm really grateful for your time and being on the show today. Renee, the same goes to you. It's really an honour to be able to converse about this with you. So thank you, my love. No problem at all. So thank you for everyone out there listening. Stay tuned for our next next podcast on one of your favourite podcast platforms. Please don't forget to rate, review and share. And as always, we've released our public programs for the year just at my website under public workshops. You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organisations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast series at www.renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. That's renegerusso.com forward slash podcast series. 